Greetings and salutations. How's everybody doing? Excellent. Uh, my name is Patrick. I am the youth pastor here. And shameless plug really quickly, we just started a college-aged Bible study. And I want to emphasize aged uh, because not everybody goes to college. And that's absolutely fine. And so if you are 18 to, I don't know, 24 25 uh, range, and you want to join us, we are meeting on Thursday evenings at 7.30 at the Pizza Hut in Westminster, because nobody's there. Uh, yeah, sorry, but nobody out pizzas the hut. Um, so, Pizza Hut, Thursday, 7.30, the tables are a little sticky, but it's... Uh, true. <laughs> All right. Hey, if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, we are glad that you are here. You know, we say that we want to be kind of like a small community church that has a lot of people. Um, and so we would ask that you let us know you're here. Go out to the Connect Station. Uh, and, and yeah, somebody, you don't have to go to the Connect Station now. Uh, but you can go to the Connect Station. Also, if you're interested in that college-age Bible study, Please go, uh, it's the little jut out. It doesn't say Connect Station, but it's, it's out there, uh, and they can get you on our text list. All right, uh, Meredith already prayed for us, and so we're going to jump into God's Word this morning. Uh, we are in week three of this grace bomb thing. If you are joining us, I'm going to kind of do a, a recap of the last two messages because everybody knows if you start reading in chapter 3 of, like, Harry Potter, you, you miss it. You're like, wait, where did the, I don't understand, who is this kid? Um, and so we will do that. But first, I just wanted to kind of say that this series for me has been illuminating. Um, yesterday, Michelle and I were out running errands, and we went to, like, uh, the places we go, like Home Goods and Walmart, and Aldi, pretty much it. Um, and, and at one point, I forget which store we were in, but at one point, I was standing there not being helpful to my wife, who had the list of all the things that we needed to get. And I started to think, like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people in this space. Do they know how much God loves them? Like, it just, like, it, like, sank in. And I think the reason I had that thought is because of this series that we're in. It's been mulling around. It's, it's been brought to the forefront of my attention. And God is awakening uh, something in my soul that I think had, had kind of faded a little bit. And so, uh, a quick recap. Uh, Pat Linnell preached sermon Numero uno, uh, that's number one, I speak Spanish, and uh, he did the scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. His big idea was that grace built people, grace bomb people, okay? So if you are alive because of the grace of God, you grace bomb people, and grace bomb, here's the definition, is an intentional, surprising act of love motivated by Jesus, and then 
Last week, our senior pastor, Frank Taylor, preached from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and his big idea was a person that is wrecked by grace, a.k.a. grace bombed, uh, is a person who lives intentionally by being ambassadors of the grace and love that has been shown to them in Christ. And so this morning, uh, my main point, I'll just tell you up front, not keeping any secrets, is that grace bombing is an opportunity and an obligation. So let's jump in to the scriptures. We're going to move this thing from the epistles to the gospels. And so if you have your Bible, flip to John chapter 14. That's where we're going to start. Uh, My first point is this. Obedience is evidence that we love Jesus back. Okay, obedience is evidence that we love Jesus back. Uh, Up to this point in the Gospel of John, he has primarily talked about the, the trajectory of, or the direction of God's love coming from God to us. Pop quiz really quick, John 3.16, y'all know it? Say it. Yes. <laughs> Could have done with a little more enthusiasm. Um, but that's okay. Uh, John 3.16. Yeah, John is talking about God's love for us. Uh, and John, at this point, he starts to kind of shift his message because Jesus says this uh, in verse 15. So chapter 14, verse 15 this is, this, these are the words of Jesus recorded for us by John. You ready? It says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, 
you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. These are Jesus' words to his disciples. This is the last things that he is teaching them before he goes to the cross. Before he goes to do the things that we sang about in that, that third song. When we said, Jesus, thank you. For the wrath of God is fully satisfied. You already sang it. But Jesus goes to the cross and he pays the payment that you and I owe for our sin debt. And then uh, God the Father raises him from the dead as proof, as proof that his sacrifice was sufficient. Now, in these 16 verses, Jesus says four times this idea that if you love me, you will keep my commandments, or you will do what I say. He also reveals in these verses that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. He was going to send the third person of the Trinity because God knows that we need him. That's the entire message of the Bible, is his creation needs him. And so God uh, does what he says. The Holy Spirit comes. We read about that in Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you have experienced the Holy Spirit living in your heart. And what does all this have to do with grace bombing? I told you that grace bombing was an opportunity, but it's also an obligation. It's an opportunity because it has been afforded to you by Jesus' work on the cross. Because you have been shown great grace, you then can show great grace. So it is an opportunity. It's an obligation because Jesus told you to do it. Obligation, I think, in our culture, it feels like, oh, I have this thing. It feels weighty. It feels like, oh, I have to do this. I'm obligated to do this. Um, like when I asked, uh, when, when, when our kids were younger and I would text a teenager to be like, hey, can you come babysit? I'd always tag, like, don't feel obligated because then maybe they would uh, feel, no, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but obligation sometimes feels like this thing that we have to do. But in this sense, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be obligated to this. And then verse 31 uh, is, is, is the, the mic drop moment where Jesus says, I, wait, the world may know that I love the Father because I'm doing what the Father commanded me. And so Jesus is the example of our obedience. All right. Here's the other reason, uh, another big reason I think God knew we would need uh, our helper, that is the person, third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, which leads me to my second point, is that it's humanly impossible to love like Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, but let's just look at some of Jesus' commandments because we can't just say, oh, I'll do the ones that are easy. I'll do the ones that are convenient. We have to look at what Jesus 
says and what he teaches, okay? And so for this next part of uh, my points, I'm going to Luke, so you can flip back two Gospels. That's right, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke. No, one Gospel, sorry. Um, to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. This is Luke records for us Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew gives us like something like 133 verses, something like that. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Luke gives us 30 verses, uh, and so he consolidates it. Uh, and we have to remember here, this is our context. It's Jesus speaking. These are his words. And his audience is a Rome-occupied group of poor people. Okay? Jesus' audience, the ones listening to him, his followers, his disciples, are living in an area that is occupied by Rome, and they're poor. So let's jump in. Chapter 6, verse 27. Again, these are the words of Jesus. This is coming from Jesus' mouth. I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. I learned this week in a, a counseling session, uh, I was not the one counseling, I was being counseled, uh, and I, I was told this idea, I learned something, this idea of like transparency and vulnerability, and transparency is not vulnerability. I kind of pride myself on being a transparent person, which basically just means I'm honest. And if I'm being transparent, I read Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36, and I say, I cannot love like that. I can't do it. Now, if I'm being vulnerable, my walls come down, and I say, not only can I not love like that, I need help to love like that. God, I need you to help me love my enemy. Which just circles back to my first point. God knew that we needed him in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so thank you, God. So 
Sorry, I'm looking at you. Thank you, God, for sending the Holy Spirit. I need you to help me love like Jesus. Because remember the context I gave you. Jesus is talking to Rome-occupied people, poor people. And he says, love your enemies. For them, you know what they're thinking? Wait, what? You want me to love the Romans? We live in America. America. And I'm serious. I thank God for the freedoms that we experience in this country. I don't know. I, don't, I, I, haven't, I can't even really empathize with the sentiment here. I can conjure some ideas, right? Somebody comes screaming into my house, threatening me and my family. My, uh, my immediate gut reaction is not going to be, uh, which one do you want to slap? Right? Oh, you want to take my stuff? Actually, I'd probably be like, I don't really have much. It's yours. Anyway, my point is this. It is humanly impossible to love like Jesus. And as I studied this week, I stumbled across this idea that our, our current expression of Christianity, so today, how we express Christianity puts a very um, large emphasis on a claim. So in other words, I claim Jesus, that I believe in Jesus. We had baptisms last week, and people stood in the water in front of you, and they claimed. They claimed that they believed that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins. It was a proclamation. Right? So we put a heavy emphasis on that. And I think that that largely comes from our reading. We, we love the epistles. And the, the epistles, when I say that, I mean like the letters, right? So like Ephesians, uh, 1 Corinthians, the things that Paul wrote, the things that James wrote, John wrote some, Peter wrote some. And we love those because they're God's word, and we should love them, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But the epistles, these letters, they tend to shift and focus on like this moment of salvation, right? The, the, the moment that you crossed from death to life because you uh, understood that God loved you despite of your sin uh, or in spite of your sin, that while you were still a sinner, right, from Romans, God loved you. And we focus on this like moment, but What's interesting, when I read the Gospels, Jesus and the Gospel writers didn't put that same emphasis on that moment. Jesus was actually, he had, he had some pretty strong things to say about claims. At the end of this chapter, in verse 46, again, these are Jesus' words, he looks out at his disciples and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? I can't read that and not feel something. 
Because he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to you and I. He's talking to those that claim Christ. I'm a Christian by name. Yet, a lot of times, my actions are filthy rags. Jesus and the gospel writers, they put a very heavy emphasis on following Christ. On listening and doing what he said to do. And so here's my third and final point. Wait, I got to back up because that's not going to make sense if I don't say this. So let me say this. Jesus and the gospel authors, they put a heavy emphasis on doing what Jesus said, which primarily had a lot to do with how we treat others. Jesus had a lot to say about how we treat other people. And so now let's go to my third and final point, which is this. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. Now, I did not come up with that. I'm a part of a group of youth pastors this week, and somebody said that, and I was like, there's my third point. Thank you. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. Remember, grace bombing, this is what we're talking about, grace bombing is an intentional, uh, surprising act motivated by the love of Jesus. And so if you want to use those cards, use the cards. Please, that's why we're doing it. If you want to pull up to the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts and say, hey, 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 I want to pay for the person's coffee behind me. Can you give them this grace bomb card or whatever the heck is going on at Dunkin' Donuts in Tawny Town? I don't live up there. Um, but, you know, you can do those things. Please, do those things. Handle the card. Use them. But if you're not going to at least do that, do the harder part of building a relationship with someone who doesn't know Jesus and tell them that God loves them. Like, get to the point in that relationship where you're not just telling them a claim. Like even that, and our focus on evangelism a lot of times is like we have to convince and argue and and tell somebody, well, actually, and like I think what Jesus and the gospel writers wanted us to do is just live it. Love your enemy. Be radically different than everyone else. Because then people are going to be like, what the heck? happened in that person's life? Why is that person living like this? Because my point, again, is that grace bombing is an opportunity, but it's also an obligation. But you're not obligated to use the cards, and so don't hear what I'm not saying. You're not obligated to to do this, this thing. You are obligated to tell people that God loves them. All right. Uh, Frank, I have the same push-out. It's the same application. We're grace-bombing. And so Frank last week said, uh, these were his things. You ready? Be aware, and I'm not going to go into each one. If you missed last week's sermon, you can re-listen to it. I did last night, and it was awesome. 
Uh, he's my boss. Uh, be aware, be present, be present at home, at work, or school. You know, I've been thinking about that person to be really aware of at work. Haven't gotten there yet. That was a joke. I work here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Aaron's neighborhood. So be present. Just be where you are is what he said. Uh, and then be active. Do this thing. Uh, all right. Here's my last and final thing. I'll end with this. You may not have noticed this, but the lights are a little bit dimmer in the room than when I started. Nathaniel, can you put the lights back up to how they were when I started preaching? You see that? A little brighter in the room? The reason I say that is because if you're anything like me, my heart got a little dim. My passion got a little dim. You know, Pat two weeks ago preached about being the light of the world, and I sat in my chair and thought, gosh, if it's not Wednesday night or Sunday morning, I'm a little dim. And so if you need to be reminded this morning to be doing this, remember what it felt like when that light first turned on. That emphasis, right? That moment. When I crossed from death to life, when I understood that even though I am a sinner, even though I'm broken, that even though I've been hurt, and I've hurt other people, God loved me anyway. God loves me anyway. Jesus was willing to come to this earth and die on a cross to pay the debt that I owe, that you owe. He literally took our place. And then God the Father looks at that and he says, yes, that is sufficient. And he raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus walks out of the tomb and like he promised earlier to his disciples in the upper room, I am going to ask my father and he will send another. And the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. And the gospel, it, it, it is, it's, it's illuminated throughout Jerusalem and the church is born in Jerusalem. And then this guy Paul takes it to all these different places and we read about all of that. And you can read through church history and you get to whatever time Somebody looked at you and said, there's a God in heaven and he loves you. And all of a sudden, the room lit up. Don't walk around in a dim lit space. Because there's a God in heaven and he loves you. You have an opportunity and an obligation to light this world up. All right, uh, the band's going to come up. I wanted to close this time not just by praying, but I want you to pray. So uh, if you are one of those people that likes praying with other people, get up and go do that. Uh, if you want to pray right where you are, if you want to pray with your family, yeah, band, y'all can, yeah, you're doing it. Um, just spend some time praying. Ask God to help you. Because remember, 
we can't love like this. We need his help. So ask God to help you. Ask God to, to, to show you, to reveal some things to you. Hey, if you're in this room and you're not really quite sure what you think about all of this, ask God to show himself to you. All right, I'm done. It's up to you. Pray. Pray with each other. Pray by yourselves.